Welcome to the Way to Wellbeing podcast, where we explore a structured approach to well-being through the cultivation of mindfulness. This is Matthew Aldrich, and I'm a mindfulness student. And this is Barbara Newell. I'm a mindfulness teacher. So as we're all experiencing, the coronavirus has really produced an immense amount of stress. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about today was how we cope with that stress. And so what is very normal is to run away, to want to numb it, and also to escape it. So one of the things that I've actually noticed is some of my friends are drinking quite a bit more. I actually went by a marijuana dispensary the other day and there was a huge line out the door. So obviously, during stressful times, people are seeking some sense of solace. And there are multiple ways that we do that. And yeah. some of those, I think it'd be very helpful. And others, not so much. Mm. Yeah. Just a, a friend of mine who's also uh, a meditation teacher was asking me just this morning, what about people who are truly panicking. I mean, just experiencing real episodes of panic. And I said, I guess my first suggestion in that situation would be to call a friend um, and have a, have a friend or two or three friends or family members that are like your go-to who understand and aren't going to judge you and can just be there for you. And as you perhaps are there for them, um, you know, each relationship is different. And um, then my friend said, and what if they don't have someone? And really this conversation we're having is about resourcing. We've talked a little bit about resourcing and we've talked about self-compassion and finding the things that help us to connect with that sense of being held with compassion, without judgment, with understanding, just to meet meet the pain of the moment. So so my friend said, and what if they don't have a person to call? And the next thing that came to my mind is that pets, like a dog or a cat, can be immensely um, reducing of stress for people. That's certainly scientifically been documented. If you don't already have one in your home, I know it's true that um, a number of people already have been going to the, the humane societies, to the shelters, and fostering or adopting um, an animal that needs a home. And if that's not an option, because some of us live in places where we're not permitted to have pets, the next thing that came to my mind was music. Luckily, there are lots of free sources for music, and we can experiment. Also with meditation teachers, for that matter, there are all kinds of wonderful teachers. Each of them has their own flavor and style, and we can um, listen to their talks to their voices as much as we like or to as I was just saying to music finding kind of your vibe the thing that helps you calm down for some people it might be Native American flute for another person it might be Bach um, you know whatever it is some people like to listen to you know Enya or New Age or something um, so just really again as we as we did touch on before about finding out what helps you to calm down and if none of those things is helping, if there's just a really acute suffering of, for example, panic or, uh, you know, traumatic fear that's coming up, 
we may need to explore medication. I mean, for some of us, that is the thing that can bridge us over into where then we're able to cultivate a meditation practice. And that would be working with a therapist or a psychiatrist yeah. to really explore yeah. prescription medication. That's right. Yeah. Illicit. Well, and again, yes, yeah, so that's <laughs> Yes, exactly. So yeah. we're we're talking about we are talking about medication now. And so there's what we call self-medicating. Right, and right. And then there's, yeah. you know, medication with with supervision and guidance so that we don't end up doing more harm than good. And there's a there's a lot of people probably who are self-medicating right now. And I mean, we talk about drugs and alcohol, but there are other ways that we may be self-medicating and escaping. Numbing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you, you talk uh, about music as a positive mechanism. How about what are your thoughts on TV? Mm. Well, you know, with really anything that we're talking about now, anything that we're reaching for, anything that we're reaching for to to modify, to um, alleviate the suffering, the pain that we're feeling, my recommendation is to do three things, simple things. Notice how you feel before you do it. Notice how you feel while you're doing it. And notice how you feel after you've done it. So some things that we reach for, maybe we're starting to feel you know, a strong fear coming up and or um, a shame or a low self-esteem. Maybe we've lost our job. We can't provide for our family. Um, whatever it is, whatever suffering is coming up, we reach for something. It might be alcohol or, yeah, whatever. It might be watching a, a really violent show or something. And um, we, so we're feeling lousy. We reach for the thing to numb it. And then after we've done it, we actually feel worse. And then we have to reach for something again because we're feeling worse. So Perpetual, yeah. that's where mindfulness can really help us. So it's not to judge ourselves. It's not to say, oh, I'm a bad person because I reached for this thing instead of doing the more wholesome thing and going <laughs> out for a walk. That's, right, right. That does not help. No. It does, we cannot judge ourselves into getting healthier <laughs> for the most part. Um, but just to really yeah, have the compassion and just say, okay, I'm feeling really bad right now. I'm feeling I'm, my stomach is in pain or I'm just my heart is hurting. I need some help and uh, here are my kind of go-tos. I'm going to try this thing. I'm going to try that thing. <clears throat> and so how does it feel when I, when I connect with whatever that thing is? Um, maybe it feels just that easing of the suffering that I'm, for, I'm forgetting or I'm um, somehow buffered from the intensity of it. So that's pleasant, right? It's a reduction in the unpleasant. And then afterward, do I feel like I can resume my, um, my more conscious behaviors and choices about what to do next? Or am I actually feeling worse about myself because of the things I did while I was using that thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's very important to note that all of this is very normal in a stressful situation. Our, we're naturally inclined when we see a threat to run away, to escape. And in our modern society, some of the choices that are available 
for us to do that don't always help the situation. And I think what's really important that you've said is that we have to be conscious about Mm -hmm. what we do Mm -hmm. and be aware of it and understand the implications of it. Yeah. And the other part of it too is to be, what mindfulness helps us to do is to be aware of when we're running away, not from an actual threat, but just from our own feelings. And that usually isn't very helpful in the long run. Yeah. And very much a lot of this is very perceived threats. Um, And so it's creating those emotions because we're circulating the fear. Yeah. And our mind, once again, is traveling into scenarios uh, in the future based on bad things that happened in the past, maybe one or two bad things that that we just keep replaying and saying, oh, it might be like that and really scaring ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So I think one phrase that I would really hold close in, in these kinds of times is, and I think it's often used in the in the communities, you know, of, of recovery is one day at a time. Absolutely. One yeah. day at a time. And that's what I said to this friend of mine who was asking about if someone's panicking and they don't have a person. And, and that was what I eventually said to them was one day at a time. Yeah. Maybe one hour. Yeah. So as we were just talking a moment ago about uh, those situations where we may need to work with a therapist and or a psychiatrist, if perhaps we do need for a period of time, some some medication to help us come back to a stable uh, sort of baseline level of being able to function and make clear choices. And this is also where my own work in, in working with people one-on-one with mindfulness is a tremendous complement to that because often people are meeting perhaps once a week or every other week with a therapist, maybe even less often with the psychiatrist about their prescription. These practices, when, when, someone's, when I'm working with someone one-on-one with mindfulness practice, with self-compassion practice, with resourcing perhaps, if that's that may be the their primary mindfulness practice for the first several weeks is really getting to know the resources that help them feel a sense of comfort and centeredness again. Mm-hmm. So this is where that the one-on-one work is really beneficial if if you are able to put that into your schedule and your budget, of course. And there are other options as well. There are meditation groups with teachers. Um, there are many resources. So I think it's interesting you bring up uh, the point about um, medication, prescription medication that oftentimes may be necessary for people who have chronic um, anxiety or depression or what Really have you. debilitating. Yeah. Yes, uh, because it, there are people in the mindfulness community which are not very supportive of that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so as you I think you can tell from what I have been saying and uh, this is certainly true with the the psychologists and mind, mindfulness and meditation teachers with whom I have trained and been mentored and worked with uh Jack Cornfield Tara Brock and even the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, they to to one degree or another the the consensus was that um there are there are situations where where medication is appropriate and the skillful choice to make. It's almost always better if we can add the mindfulness component in addition. Mm. Um, and yes, it's true that there. I don't personally 
know who who might be out there telling people that they should never ever use medication. <laughs> um, I do know that there are practitioners who tend to feel almost a kind of a shame or embarrassment, like, well, if I were a real practitioner, I wouldn't have to do this, or um, mm-hmm. yes, I'm not being my real self if I do this. And I just want to say that um, that's a notion that may be a, a kind of a self-judgment that we put on ourselves mm-hmm. and that we don't, we don't have to do that. If we, if experientially we, we really feel we've, you know, we've tried medication and we don't like the way we feel, that's a conversation to have with, with the prescribing psychiatrist mm-hmm. um, and the therapist um, so you may want to adjust it perhaps as you um, continue in your mindfulness practice and and just the other supports, you may be able to reduce and, and remove it eventually. It's just, this is unique. I mean, each person has their own pathway and I just really encourage them to, yeah, not just make kind of um, blanket judgments about it, yes or no, but to really talk with people who are who are sensitive and understand what your goals really are. Yeah, and for someone who has been depressed and was on medication, um, I found it extremely important to stabilize and be able to do the therapy and the hard work to get to a point where then I could actually go off the medication. And so it was extremely helpful. I I look at it as a bridge um, that during that tough time, it was necessary. Yeah. Another important point to make here is we have a common suffering. Everyone's in this together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yes, you may have lost your job, but there's also a ton of other people who lost their job. Everyone's in this situation. Yes, some people are lucky to have retained their jobs, but we do. Society is coming together to address it. um, And we don't know how all this is going to turn out. And it's going to take time. And I think one of the things that I've tried to advise at least my friends is to start thinking about what you do going forward. Don't I mean, yeah, you need to take a little bit of time to, um, if you will, kind of mourn the the loss, the loss of the job and that stability. That's this, healthy. That's a healthy thing to yeah. do. And, and give yourself that time. But then turn to what you need to do going forward because this offer i mean it's with a business background i can tell you in downturns like this it offers an immense amount of opportunity um a lot of businesses will fail and if you have a good business idea this is a perfect opportunity to explore that because you can go in at a much lower price point i mean rents are going to probably go down you're not going to have as much competition i mean there's some great innovation that's happening as a result of this and and so really take the opportunity this may be uh, a point in your life where you may want to do a course correction and pursue something that you were putting off just because it was going to be much more difficult So I think that's all we have today. Thank you very much for listening. For more information, please visit our website at thewaytowellbeing.com. And for information on how Barbara can help you, visit her website at barbaranewell.com. She's actually available for one-on-one coaching sessions and initial sessions are available for free and you can book those directly on her website. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day. Thank you.